This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Monday, March 15th, and this is Season 5, Episode 28 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Joe, uh, Joel. Hello. Uh, Catherine. Hi. And, uh, oh, Lucas. Hello, hello. And I almost skipped you, Sam, but well, returning to the podcast, we have Sam. Sam Hi. G. It's nice to, uh, nice to be welcomed. <clears throat> or we should say English Sam, I guess, is probably, yeah, we could go English Sam, Ohio Sam. I think that'll work. Yeah, regardless. But uh, I want to roll right into We have a lot of topics to talk about today. I think uh, we're going to have a lot that we want to say about the Arsenal match, despite um, it not, not a lot of it being good. Um, but first, I want to uh, start off the conversation by talking about the midweek match and just knock that out. Uh, so, so this past uh, Thursday, we we had the the home leg first uh, against uh, Dynamo Zagreb or Zagreb. Um, that that was Thursday, March 11th. So um, we kind of came out. We certainly dominated the possession. We uh, we were able to get uh, a couple of home goals. Uh, I think more importantly, we were able to prevent them from getting uh, any away goals. Um, uh, what do you guys think? Was this uh, a job done? Nothing to to see here. Uh, a bit of a rotated squad. Um, uh, Joe, Anthony, is your cat okay? Uh, well, he's uh, <laughs> he's upset that my wife locked him out here with me. Oh, okay, but, I'm just checking. It, but if he I goes there, he's going to yell on the other side of the door. So <laughs> that's good. Um, uh, yeah, this—it was quite an unremarkable game and quite an unremarkable opponent. I think this Dynamo Zagreb game—they're just a pretty generic, like European second-tier league team. Um, I think it's a really good result, actually. Like you said, Anthony, the main thing was not to concede an away goal. Two nils a really good result, and I don't envisage we'll have much problems, many problems with them in the return leg either. And I think this was pretty straightforward and, and a good result. Yeah, and this is a team that's pretty defensive too. So getting a couple of goals was uh, was pretty key. I think they had only given up one prior goal in this competition so far. Um, uh, Lucas, yeah, uh, definitely the thing. Going into it, I, I said one nil, nil, nil. Like I, I don't care. The most important thing was getting that clean sheet at home there to prevent any away goals. But I think that it was kind of telling, like like you had mentioned, that they had only given up one goal throughout the entirety of this competition in the round of thirty-two, the group stage, all of that. But it was interesting to see how they were going to come out and play. Were they going to try and give us a game? Were they going to be filled with confidence? And I think we saw right from the outstart of that game that their whole game plan was to try to hack hack everyone that got the ball, especially in Dombele. Like they just tried to hack and disrupt and hope that maybe something went their way at like at like maybe towards the end, similar to what Milan did, where Milan just was lucky to get that ninety minute away goal at United. 
So I think that's why, for me, the most important thing was where Harry got that second goal. It was able to just put it away. And because throughout the entirety, as I was watching that, I just kept thinking, man, we've been in control, but it would suck so bad if they're able to just nick something late here off a freak set piece or something when they really hadn't created anything. Um, they had a few odd chances, but just I think they lacked the quality to finish them. And yeah, it was pretty like Joe had mentioned. I think the word unremarkable was probably the best word I could think of to describe it. But for us, it was job done. Uh, Sam? Um, yeah, I think they were incredibly well organized, to be honest. Like you can see why they didn't concede a lot of goals. I don't know if I agree that they were hacking necessarily, but I did think they were pretty good, um, pretty solidly set up defensively. It's going to be interesting how they set up this week. Um, given what happened with their manager today or did anyone <laughs> yeah. did anyone I don't I didn't read the article but apparently there's some sort of he's going to prison or like <laughs> I, I, I don't I like someone else will comment on that later but yeah I mean I, I, it was a relatively unremarkable game which is just as well for us sitting here in the in the middle of a work day so we didn't all get too drawn into it but yeah I mean you know solid result I don't see any problems with finishing the tie off this week yeah uh Catherine well I agree where it did seem a little blase of a game. Uh, the Croatian league isn't necessarily, you know, of high quality, but it's the Europa league. So you have to take it seriously. And we saw that with the starting 11 and how strong it was. But then also I noticed about 15, 20 minutes in that the Spurs players seemed fairly pedestrian and that it looked like they were playing 60% of their energy and of how strong they could actually play. Um, and, and I think that was because a lot of the Zagreb players, even though <laughs> Sam isn't saying that they, they, I don't think that they were necessarily hacking them down, but they were, their aggression of the Zagreb players, I think was hindering the Spurs players to be a little bit more, creative and fanciful in attack. Um, but it wasn't something that to write home about kind of in a way. I don't yes. like, I don't want to make it seem like so marginalized, but you know, we got three points, two goals and we get, we get to go there. If we get a goal, that's great. And so we're on the right foot. Yeah, I think there's a strategy there that uh, like when you know you're not the better team, that you you play aggressive, you 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 take those hard tackles, you try and um, uh, keep the, uh, the the better team uh, on the back foot a little bit. And um, I, wish, I wish we'd listen to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah. there's there's certainly a, it's understandable, but it's also why you don't want to see always our best players playing in. The, um, a match like this either because you don't want mm. to take the chance of them getting getting hurt um, yeah. with a team that might might be playing a, a little bit hacky and I agree that it would it was they, they weren't particularly uh, hacky but it, it, there were some um, some some clumsy moves and things like that that's to be expected when the, the team's not as good um, on the, the the coach did anybody follow what happened with him and I guess maybe that's more better for our preview in the second half but um, um, what happened with that today? He's got five-year jail sentence for um, for corruption or something, apparently, or four and a half years. Um, so he's had to resign. I think the 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 sentence might have been suspended actually, but 
he apparently was under pressure to resign and it was he may have actually gone to jail. So it's a bit of drama for them. It's not ideal preparation, is it? Getting your manager put in the in the slammer before a big game. It's I, I was worried about it happening with us when we had a Harry Redknapp as manager. <laughs> probably shouldn't say that. It's probably libel. Uh, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> Podcast disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Five years in prison. Like it's just, it's just mind-boggling. Like, why would you do this when you're already at the top of your game? Anyway, uh, Lucas. <clears throat> yeah, uh, someone I just I wanted to give a shout out to in the game was uh, Catherine. Actually, set me up. She said we're on the right foot. And then I thought, well, unless you're Lamella, apparently, who still could not. He just refused. I think he had like 63 touches or something in that game, and not once was it with his right foot. And I, I still think he played really well. I thought he did a great job. Um, that first goal that Kane had was, I think he actually, if he had a right foot, could have swept it in. But mm-hmm. there's a great bit of creativity and a great drive into the box. And I think just someone like Kane in a game like that that was – blase at times or not a very exciting game it just it it speaks volumes when you have somebody of Harry Kane's quality that can just bury two and I'm I don't want to jinx it but just end a tie right there with his quality and I mean the guy just continues to perform I think he's now got what like 30 goals in 34 European games or something on that low it's it's just remarkable what he continues to do in Europe and we're lucky to have him. So I thought Lamella was great, but I mean, having someone of Kane's quality there just was the difference in that being a nil-nil and a two-nil. Well, one thought that I had with this match was uh, when I when I first saw REA in the lining, lineup for this one, I'm like, ooh, I, coming back from injury, I'd, I'd rather us hold him and save him for the Arsenal match. Um, and, and this would this match seemed like it was ready-made for uh, Doherty which I'm sure we'll be talking more about him when we talk about Arsenal. But um, that that was something that caught my eye. And then it, there was also the um, the the substitutions. Uh, you know, did we really need to bring uh, Gareth Bale on um, in, in this one? Was uh, um, Obviously... I think we're managing his minutes fairly well. Where we're, we're we're giving him sixty-one game, thirty another. I, I think that's a smart way to do it if you you're going to use him in two games uh, during the week. But um, did we really need him at all in this one? I think when when he came on, that move was brilliant. When he, he did the outside of the left foot cross to Bergwijn, who is just like, within I mean, seconds. What, within seconds, yeah. I mean, that's the that like you're saying, Lucas. That's the difference with with Kane and Bale is they just need a moment like that and they can mm-hmm. just do a bit of magic, you know. Um and it it was a bit unlucky. Bergwijn actually hit it pretty well, but the keeper keeper did a good job on that one. And Bergwijn's just cursed. He's never gonna score a goal <laughs> ever again. But yeah, I mean I agree with with what you're saying, Lucas. I think they they set up pretty well. They were organized, but having Kane, having a striker of that quality who makes those goals look easy, but that's the key. Like we could have had, I mean, I don't want to talk down on Vinicius because I actually rate Vinicius pretty highly, but just Kane just makes those chances. He's always going to take them and that's going to always give us that advantage. And you're always kind of running the risk if you play Vinicius or you play, you rotate the team with, without Kane. We don't have that uh, finishing ability. And that, that is what made the difference in the game. Yep. Uh, Catherine. Well, and furthermore, 
we can wax poetic about Kane every podcast, but I do think that Ndombele had a great showing. I, at one point, um, wrote things like, what is a penalty? Because oh, hell yeah. uh, he was, like, I know Lucas was saying he was getting hacked down and Sam wasn't wanting that word to be used, but he was the pinpoint of what Zagreb was going at Spurs for. Um, and so I think that Ndombele should definitely be uh, given plaudits. And then also I did... Re- write down um, during the match that as well, uh, like whoever said it about Aurier, but it was interesting to see the dynamics with him being back um, because when he's there, there's so many more crosses going in and it is great that you have the attacking force that we do in games like the Zagreb Zagreb game um, because then you have more and more chances and I think Ori being back is a positive sign as well as, like I said, with Ndombele having a great game as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, well, and since we're on to player uh, discussion, maybe this is a good time to go to MVP, LVP. And um, so, since we just ended with Castell, let's go to Lucas first on that. Uh, yeah, we started with MVP. I'll go uh, Lamella, I thought. Nobody loves it. Nobody loves the European Thursday night like Lamella, and he showed it. it mm-hmm. I thought his, I thought his creativity, his aggression, the way he drove the ball forward was just awesome. And yeah, he seemed like he was proper up for it Thursday. He was my MVP. Yeah, uh, good shout, uh, Sam. Um, I've got to go with Kane. He scored twice. He was also the most creative during the thing as well. Uh, although I did see Lamella described in a match review as the Thursday night Maradona, which I really liked. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Kane for me. Okay. Uh, let's see, Joe. Yeah, Kane, Kane for me as well. Um, just making a difference with those two goals. Although, like you say, Lamella definitely... Uh, put a good shift in and he's he's found a bit of form at a good time um so fair play to those two players probably putting Dombele in the picture as well like Catherine mentioned but for me this is kind of those games we take for granted where we just win 2-0 Kane scores too so I've got to give him the nod okay uh Catherine yeah I was in between Kane and Dombele and Lamella for mine so I'm kind of the grab bag of all the guys here (laughs) and with all the names (laughs) Those are the three guys that you, to, yeah. to really pick from in this match. Um, I was leaning towards Ndombele, but it's tough with the with the two goals. Like th- that was everything that we needed in this match. I uh, um, I don't know if we would have done it with Vinicius. Maybe we would have, but um, so I, I'll have to say Harry Kane on this one. It's the my, my MVP. Um, now. Um, Let's start on LVP. Do people have an LVP in this match, uh, Lucas? I actually didn't have one. Um, there's nobody that I would single out. Um, I didn't think anyone played particularly poor. So, no. No for me. Okay. Uh, Sam? Uh, I thought we had to choose one. That's a, that's a cop-out, Lucas. Uh-huh. Um, I think, <laughs> for me, it's a toss-up between Ben Davis and Sissoko. Not because they did necessarily do anything wrong, but they both sort of did their usual performance which is you know quote unquote fine um, yeah, they saved the goal he can't he can't be it 
Ben Davis made a really good clearance in the second half. Um, all right, well, we'll go with Sissoko then on Joe's <laughs> recommendation. <laughs> uh, Joe, uh, do you have one? I mean, I'm in, entirely in agreement with Lucas that I don't think anyone deserved it. But if Sam's been the, the harsh enforcer <laughs> on this one, I, I will cede to my own rule and go with Sissoko as well. Okay. Uh, Catherine? I was also going to say no one because LVP means least valuable player. And I don't think anybody was the least valuable player. But Maybe again, you go, Catherine, because you didn't have to do anything. That's yeah. the, that's always a good one to go to. That's that's true. But I, I hate just, you know, pouring everything on Hugo. Also, and... least, least, least is just comparative. It just means relative to the rest. We could have won 17-0 and someone still might not have been as good yeah. as the rest. You only scored five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll just go with the the common thought and say Sissoko. Well, yeah, I don't think he was particularly bad, but um, usually when he's on the pitch, like he's most often the the least good player. <laughs> That's not saying he's bad, but least good. Uh-uh. So, uh, poor Sissoko, but uh, your lucky Nate's not here, Anthony. He'd, he'd take you to task on that one. But I, I, <laughs> I agree with you, but yeah, it, I, I just. I think he's being used better this year. Um, like when you had to, we had to rely on him for match in, match out. That, I think that was a problem, but we're at the point where he is kind of a substitution player at this point and, and one that has a good level of fitness and good strength and uh, some decent defensive capability. So he's definitely a useful tool, but um, if you've got to pick somebody, I guess it's him. Um, well, I want to move the conversation along because I think we're going to have a lot more to say about the, the second match. And unfortunately, this isn't a... a, a <laughs> Do we have to? Yeah. I was going to say, I'm Let's good if there. you guys Let's want to talk about something else. <laughs> like, how about we all stare at a list of weather. top 10 movies that we want to see this year? How about it snowed today? We'll talk what about are you having for St. Patrick's Day for food? <laughs> if you are. English people. Well, I, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I always do. Uh, I, I don't celebrate Valentine's Day because I met my wife like soon before Valentine's Day. We're like, yeah, this is too early to do like this type of thing. So um, so when we were dating, we uh, we decided to go out for a nice fancy dinner on St. Patrick's Day. And it's a great time to go out and get a steak someplace because uh, uh, people are not out at steakhouses uh, on St. Patrick's Day. They're 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 out at uh, they're out at um Irish pubs and in places like the Atlantic, so um, so it's actually a good good night to go out and have a nice uh, romantic dinner. Uh, so that's kind of what we do every year. So, uh, but now I'm now I'm distracting from the action. <laughs> but let me move the conversation along. So we uh, we do have we did have Arsenal away this Sunday. Um, I think we came into it. A lot of us were feeling pretty positive. If I could. Feel the vibe. I mean, I know we're always concerned when it's a North London derby, but I think the common sentiment was that we felt like, yes, I think we're better than they are right now, and we should be able to handle them. And if we played the way that we did last week against Crystal Palace, that we should be able to handle Arsenal and that they're capable of making a lot of mistakes. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Um, Now, when the match started, I think... We were watching. It looked like we were either set up to play defensive or we were just being overmatched. We weren't expecting their aggression. There was, or our plan was to absorb pressure and counter, but it wasn't. Uh, we didn't have the counter working. 
Um, but there was something that clearly was not working in that early part. Um, we did manage to get the, the, the first goal. We'll talk about the Lamella goal, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but we allowed them to come back, and it always felt like that they were um, playing better. And I know a lot of us said by, before halftime that it feels like they're, they're, we're not going to get out of this half without them scoring, and they certainly equalized it right before the half. And uh, then we came into the second half and had to um, try to – take a lead back and we just weren't able to do it um obviously we got to talk about the sun uh injury lots to talk about here lots to unpack but let's start with you lucas uh yeah a couple notes first i, th- I think and i know it's going to sound uh like a hot take here but i think that was the most disappointed i've been after a north london derby in about 20 years yeah um Definitely. in my lifetime i'm used to watching us get smacked by arsenal that's something that happens and it used to be because they were better than us or they had a better squad or they were in better form or something like that. And that's fine. That's how football works. Uh, and yeah, if we go out there, we give it a game and they just prove that they're a better side than us. That happens. Um, but you used the term like, well, we were, maybe we were set up to absorb pressure or do, like defend a little bit. We didn't have the ball in the first five minutes. They controlled the ball for the first five minutes of that game. Mm. And set up to defend. We played the exact same squad that we played against Palace except we were even more attacking. We swapped out Winks for Ndombele. So I have no idea. It, like, uh, There's no way this was set up or something that was game-planned. This was players that turned up and didn't seem to want to go forward or want to attack or, or even want to have the ball. And were, were we expecting – you said, you used uh, the term like maybe we weren't expecting their aggression. It's the North London Derby. Of course they're going to be aggressive. Of course they're going to be up for it. So I, I don't get how we weren't. Yeah, uh, Joe. Yeah, we we were we were terrible, absolutely terrible, and I felt similar sentiment to you, Lucas. In that, in the past, when we've gone there, until in recent years, yeah, we've been the underdog. But we've always, even when we were shit, even when in the nineties and stuff, we used to give them a game, right? We'd like raise our game. Here, we we lowered our game. Um, I mean, in terms of how we set up, we set up really attacking. Like Lucas said, we had four attackers on the field. We had Kane, we had Lucas, we had Bale and Son. And even when Son got injured, we put another attacker on in Lamella. We didn't put Sissoko in the middle. We we had an attacking lineup, but we didn't play an attacking game. Like our strategy, I don't know what it was in this game. Because you look at that lineup and you think, right, we're going to really go for it. But no one got a touch. Like, Son went off injured after like 20 minutes. He didn't even kick the ball in that time. Um, Kane didn't get a kick until we were 2-1 down. Um, we didn't. We had one shot in the opening 70, 7-0, 70 minutes of this game. Um, it was just such a timid performance. I mean, there's so many things I don't want to take too long going on this, going on a rant or anything, but I, I really think that the, it was hard for me to figure out what our strategy uh, in this game was. And we're going to go to Sam next, but um, I, I want to pose the question—the first question that we have to you, and then you can go into what you wanted to talk about as well. But um, we have a question from uh, the, the Quilkin, uh, or at the Quilkin on Twitter. Uh, he, he asks, are performances like today in part down to fatigue, or, or do you think there are other more serious issues at play? And I think this is a good question for you, Sam. 
Uh, all right. First of all, I'm gonna, I just want to answer something Lucas said. Lucas is doing his classic, like, it was the players, not Jose. Uh, thing like we don't know how, how like we know the players that he picks. We have no idea what they get, what he told the game plan to be. Like I've got no idea like what it was. The only thing that we we all pretty much to a man questioned was Doherty starting or Doherty starting as a like as part of a flat back four. Uh, turns out we're all right on that one <laughs> in this particular game. Um, in terms of this, do we think it's a no, I don't think it's anything to do with fatigue. We've performed like this before this season. I mean, it might be, maybe, but like, with, can, we can't use that excuse for several performances like this earlier in the season. Arsenal just got back from Olympiacos, to be fair. You know, yeah, like, and, why are we more tired than they are in that case? Yeah, I don't know. I'd like, I don't know the stats on how many minutes all of the team have, the, 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 the team have played, um, but we have rotated a little bit. Um, I know that we've played as many games as I think any club in the top five leagues this season, apart from one or two. Um, um, so yeah, maybe it's something to do with it. Uh, this may shock you all, but I'm not an elite level athlete, so I don't know how much this like grinds down their bodies um, and to perform at that that level. But like, you know, they we haven't played like three games in a week every week for the last like few weeks so uh, do I think I don't know short answer I've no idea if it's fatigue but I would be surprised if that was the uh, the predominant element I I uh, would jump in there and say uh, to answer that question that I certainly think that the sun injury could have been could have yeah. to do with fatigue that, sun that's has a fatigue a lot of injury minutes. yeah hamstring is 100% and mm-hmm. you're right Anthony sun's played the second most minutes other than Hoybier so a hamstring injury is definitely a fatigue injury for sure yeah. especially the way he pulled up he was running it wasn't like on a um uh, it wasn't an injury that happened like during a, a play or contact with other uh, another player or anything like that it was you know, it was just something that he stepped funny and pulled, and 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 that does come from fatigue. Um, Lucas, yeah, I think that like definitely my answer to the question would be I don't think any of the way we played was based on fatigue. I think the only thing that could be argued would be the sun injury, um, or maybe I, I think uh, Hoybeer played pretty poorly yesterday. Also, I think maybe that could be fatigue because we've all been screaming for him to get a rest, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't know because Arsenal's been playing a lot of games too, and they came out and seemed up for it. And Joe said we didn't have a shot until, or we had one shot through 70. We didn't have our first quarter. We had our first corner kick in the 78th minute with 10 men. So I, I, the game plan the first time we played them was clear. Like, let's set up, absorb pressure, and hit them on the break. And that's exactly what we did. That yesterday felt like Let's just not have the ball, but there was no, okay, we'll hit him on the break. It was when we got the ball, it's like, we'll just smash it as far as we can and give it back. So I don't know. It was until, like, the irony is, like, Lamella, I'm sure, will come on to, but he was the first person that looked like he had a pulse and was after it and up for it. And unfortunately, maybe that enthusiasm led to some of the way he played after his goal. But, yeah, it, it took it took a long time for us to even have a guy on the pitch that seemed like he was up for it. And I think maybe Jose's, maybe he was handcuffed with subs because of the being forced to use the sun one early. Um, I don't think that's an excuse, but maybe he would have liked to 
do what he did to Dyer against Olympiacos and pull him off or something or get Doherty off at halftime or something, but I don't know. That whole thing was a clusterfuck yesterday, and I have no idea what that was. Well, I think Ndombele might be another player that you could argue that maybe there's fatigue. I mean, obviously, he used to not be a 90-minute guy, but we have been starting to get that out of him. Um, but I don't think he looked particularly fit in this one. I think he was struggling a lot. That may have been what Arsenal w- was setting up against him in the midfield, so I don't want to be completely unfair to him. But part of it felt to me like he maybe he uh, wasn't happy with the role he was asked to, to, to play in this match, maybe, um, if you think it's a strategy thing and not just the, the, the players not doing their job. Uh, um, uh, but Catherine, I think you were I, next. Yeah, well, I do think it's both. To go back to the question about if it's either fatigue or more serious issues at play, and fatigue, like what Joe said, Hoiberg and Son are the two most run-down players because they've played so many minutes this season and hamstring like big muscle injuries like son just got like a hamstring one we and we don't know how long he's going to be out for um if it's going to be a week or eight weeks uh but those are from fatigue um and then also with hoiberg he's making so many uncharacteristic mistakes recently and not and it's not just in the arsenal match Mm. it's been in previous matches that like your mind just isn't as quick and you can't think three passes ahead when you're that fatigued and you're playing every game and you're playing hard every game. Cause Hoiberg is a hard guy. Um, and so it definitely is fatigue, but then also mm. I do look at and see of how, um, how when Lamella comes in, and just kind of fires everybody up is that part of the game plan or even the ethos of the club how it is under jose and you would hope so of Tadaris to do has continued through Mourinho. but when you have somebody who seemingly is the one who's kind of making sure everybody gets their act together on the pitch and it's just one player and it's uh, a substitute, or if in other matches it's been like that too, what is, that's an indictment on the players though too. And, and like I said, the, the managers maybe, and the other coaching staff, Um, but also like, are, and this might just be a question and I don't think any of us know it, but uh, does it seem to you guys that, the players know the the tactics and what the vision is for that match or they know it and they just kind of throw it out because they think they themselves because they're on the pitch can play more of an efficient way knowing their opponents and I think that's I mean that is a rhetorical question but also I think that that might have that might have been what we saw on Sunday, just because some of the players seem to kind of take control and take things under their wings. So I I don't think that they um, players are going out there and throwing the game plan out the window intentionally. Um, I, I don't think you with a coach like Jose, I don't think you get selected if you go out there and you throw out his game plan. <laughs> um, 
he, he certainly uh, wants certain things out of certain matches. Um, and if he's not given that, then, um, then he's not afraid to yank somebody. Um, of course, it doesn't feel like he yanked the right people in this match, and we'll get to that eventually. Uh, but, but, uh, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, but let's go to Joe next, yeah. No, so what Catherine's question there kind of hits on, I think, uh, the, the, bigger, the bigger issue here, right? So if you look at our games since, let's say, since we beat Man City, right, away, uh, sorry, at home, we beat 2-0, um, we've basically not beaten a good team since then i'm even going to include arsenal arsenal are 10th arsenal are the definition of av- they're an average team they really are an average team we treated them yesterday like they were 1970 brazil you know like scared of them they're an average team we've t- we have in the any time we've played a decent team since that man city game we've lost I'll go through. We lost to Everton. We lost to Leicester. We lost twice. To, we uh, we lost to Chelsea. We lost twice to Liverpool, etc. I actually read that the last eight games we've had against teams in the top half of the table, we've lost all of those games. West Ham even. So, yeah, Catherine's asked a good question. Why? Why? Because Crystal Palace and Burnley aren't useless teams. Like they're getting good results against Man United, against Arsenal, against other teams, and we blew them out the water by playing attacking football. It seems to me we have a mentality when we play what we perceive as a weak opposition in the Europa League or lower Premier League teams. We'll we'll go for it. We'll play attacking football. We'll go. But whenever we play a perceived difficult opponent, we just we play with fear. That's the best way I can characterise it. It's play with fear. And whether that's Josie or the players, I mean, it's obviously a combination of, of both. To a, but I don't know what is the more prevalent of the two at the moment. Lucas, I'll let you, you go. But I, I think that's a really <clears throat> good question. And that's the issue that we're looking at here. We can beat the crap teams from Macedonia and Croatia and Bulgaria. We can beat Crystal Palace. But when we play a half-decent team, we lose at the moment. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yes. My, well, Joe, the way you wrapped it up right there was my question is, where does that come from? And for me, I'm like, I, I can't understand. To me, it doesn't make sense to, I know I'm a big Jose defender, but I can't believe it comes from Jose where we saw these same issues under Potch. These are some players that at these moments, they're soft. When other than like a few handful, like a few handful of like examples for the last five years, I'm like, these are mass, like a, a lot of these guys are the same guys. And the way we came out yesterday and treated this team like this was Barcelona away in their prime or something was astounding. I don't get where we made like Jose made all the right moves, like saying, let's put a more attacking lineup out there. So if he was putting a more attacking lineup out there than he did against Palace, I can't believe all week he in training he was telling these players, I'm going to put a more attacking side out there, but guys, don't attack. So uh, it, it, to me, it's got to be in some of these players' heads that uh, I, I that's where the disconnect is, is to me it's these players. Yeah. Quick well, it, quick response, and then I'll, I'll let others oh, go. Yeah, but go, ahead, go. Is it not? That's a failing by Mourinho, though, right, Lucas? Because you and I were on the same page. When Pochettino, at the end of Pochettino's era, we were playing really badly, and you and I were really, like, calling that out on Poch. And I think it's 
unfair that we did that, and we're not doing the same on Mourinho because whilst I I I do I don't disagree with what you just said. Surely it's the manager's job to get the players playing the way he wants them to play. So if he wants them to play attacking football, if he doesn't want them to retreat and play, why that that's on a that's a failure of his role, right? He's not doing his job properly there. And I I absolutely I absolutely agree. Maybe I have been too harsh on Potch in the past. But if a guy like Potch can't get these guys to get excited for the North London Derby or Mourinho can't, doesn't that speak loads about these players? Those are not two slag ass managers I just named. If neither one of them can get these guys motivated for these types of moments, maybe it is embedded in some of these players that they're just soft. Well, I do because I got to think guys like Poch and Mourinho could get players up for a big game. They've done it countless times, but I don't know. I'm sorry, Anthony. Go ahead. Oh no, it's okay. I, I was just gonna say. Well, but I do think that there uh, the, the game plan may have been. It, it didn't look like we were playing out of the gates the way that he he wanted us to play. But I think when Sun got injured and came off so early in the match, that kind of threw the the the, the, the game plan out the window. Um, and then the, the the game plan became Lamella, as we talked about coming on. And to me, it looked like Lamella was uh, was put in there to and just told to be an sob and get under everybody's skin and 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 just piss everybody off uh, on Arsenal and get them to make mistakes. Um, that seemed like what the idea was. Uh, but what what do you think, Sam? Uh, I don't think Lamella has to be told to do that. <laughs> I think that's just, <laughs> just generally Beautiful. what it's like. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like my views on you know momentum and players being soft and stuff are well uh, well trodden at this point. So I don't know. I don't know about that. Like it's um, it just it was just bad. <laughs> like I play. I'm not. I haven't got much more articulate uh, thing. Ironically, I got that wrong. I've got anything too articulate to say about it. Like it was just depressing. Like stats don't tell the whole story. Obviously. Um, and the stats actually favoured us in this, like not better than Arsenal, but like a lot more than the performance would suggest. Like we were just rinsed in the midfield. We were like Doherty was just completely crushed constantly by Smith Rowe and Tierney. Um, I think yeah, just a, just an all round shocker of a performance, and not not a not a great start to the Sunday for most of us. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit. Like I know you're next, Catherine. Let's go to you on this. Uh... Let's talk about Doherty's performance a little bit because I think there's a, a lot that we got to unpack here, and then we'll eventually go into Peter's question on the uh, on this. But uh, but let's let's start with that. Uh, well, what I was going to say kind of goes with that because I had a friend of mine mention in a WhatsApp group that there's a disconnect between the defenders and attackers, and so kind of like what Joe and Lucas were saying about is it Mourinho, is it the players? And I do think it is both, but when you have the players set up and they there's no cohesion between them and the tactics are a little bit off, that's a recipe for disaster or for Doherty. And and I think that Spurs were stuck in a rock and a hard in between a rock and a hard place with Doherty because clearly he shows well in training because that's how managers pick players and so apparently he's doing something well enough to be playing in a North London derby but then also you have him come on the pitch and he's getting just rocked by Arsenal and 
where, and then where does that come in to the equation with substitutions? Because Bale had to come off, you have Lamella coming on, you have uh, Sissoko, you have, like, you have all these players who you then have to do a little uh, tic-tac-toe where I, I, I don't remember my childhood games. Um, like that one little board that you have to like move. I, I don't know. It's like Tetris or something. Um, like Rosie maybe? Yeah, but it's so difficult because... Uh, Ouija board? <laughs> <laughs> well, because then you're stuck in between and yeah. it's it's so difficult to figure out what to do with a player like Doherty when he's having a complete shit game, yeah. but you can't really sub him off with the tactics that you have him on four, but then you have somebody get injured. And, and so it's kind of just a, a loop going around and you're just questioning what to do all amidst a 90 minute match. Yeah. Uh, Lucas. Well, I'll say, I'll tell you what doherty has been doing in training. That's got him out there is he's healthy. That's it. A healthy surge and a healthy Doherty. There's only one reason why Doherty's out there. Surge can't play 90 minutes in two games yet. So mm-hmm. we all thought maybe the right move would have been having Doherty out there on Thursday, but it wasn't the way it worked out. Uh, Doherty got skinned for the majority of that entire first half. Um, and to be honest, I think he was the person I had the smallest bit of problem with, I guess, in that first half. He was a nightmare because he's not fast and he's not a good right back. That was why. It wasn't because his effort or tactics mm-hmm. or, like, the other guys, like the Ndombele, like, who I wanted to just boss the game, and other guys where effort was a problem, and we they just gave this team so much respect when they didn't deserve it. That drove me insane. Doherty getting skinned. It'd be like being mad at Ben Davis that time he got skinned by Mane against Liverpool. It wasn't Ben Davis' fault he's slow as a, like a tortoise. It was just the way it worked out. Like, Doherty yesterday was, it wasn't his fault he was out there. Was he horrible? Yeah, but did any of us expect him to go out there and tear it up? Yeah. Well, uh, let, let's go to Joe, and then I have, I'll have i go to the question from Peter, which kind of c- carries on with this topic as well. Yeah. Um, the thing that, the amazing thing about with how bad Doherty was, I, I get what you're saying, Lucas, but I think you've been a little too kind to him. I mean, he is a Premier League footballer, um, an international who's been playing, you know, for a decent Wolves team. And he just, he looks like a non-league player. I mean, I saw people talking about Bale or Bale wasn't protecting Doherty. That's absolute nonsense. But Doherty was never getting overrun two-on-one. He was just getting skinned by one player. Bale was not doing anything wrong in a protective sense for Doherty. Doherty just cannot defend. Smithrow is a kid. He's a good player. He is a good player, but he's a kid. I mean, if a, a established Premier League wing-back, full-back, I mean, I'm still not having that you can't play full-back, a conventional full-back if you're a wing-back. It's just, I think that's nonsense as well. But he's getting done one-on-one every single time. Smithrow is just walking. For the goal, he doesn't even drop his shoulder. He just he, he just just does him so easily. And I think it's criminal that Doherty was in the... You're right. I agree with you in that sense. He shouldn't have been in the team. Again, then, that's got to be on Mourinho because if Aurier isn't fit, Tanganga played out of his skin against Man City when uh, Sterling was against him. So 
if Tanganga can be the man of the match for us against Sterling, why is he third choice right back and we're playing Doherty over him? You yeah. know? Well, let's go to Peter's question, which I think is going to carry on with this topic that we're already talking about. And Peter asks us a Bale pod question. Was Bale's early hook born out of Mourinho's mounting frustration over his reluctance to help Doherty out of the shitstorm he was in, or is it something else? Uh, Bale's death mask expression at being subbed spoke volumes. Uh, Trouble in paradise, he asks. Uh, so what do you guys think? Was this uh, was he not doing what he needed to do to help protect Doherty? Was that the problem with Bale? Is that why he was yanked early? Uh, Lucas? But I don't feel like that's his job. It's like yeah. he, Bale wasn't put out there to be Doherty's safety net. That's not what he's supposed to be doing. I think maybe the sub was because Sissoko has that and Sissoko's done that back when we really couldn't trust Serge. The Sissoko's job oftentimes was to go be like a little bit of an outlet to help Serge. So I think that's maybe what the sub was is like Bale isn't used to nor should he be, but is he's not used to being somebody's safety net for a right back. So maybe that was just what that was, was it wasn't like Bale had done anything to that point either, whether that's his fault or the fact that we had nothing in the midfield moving us forward. But I think the sub might have just been like at that point, Sissoko has proven that he can cover for a Doherty. So I think maybe that's what it was. But I, I don't I wouldn't read too much into it. Of course, Bale looked pissed that he got taken off 60 minutes into a North London derby. Um, I'm sure he had an idea in his head that was a lot different of how that was going to go. but. Um, no, I wouldn't read too much into it, but I think it was just a tactical thing saying Sissoko's proven he can cover, so maybe he can help out. It's where we were being beat. They were attacking us on that side of the pitch. Yeah. Joe? Yeah, just very quickly, because I've kind of already said my piece on the question, really, but um, Bale, Bale's switch of play made the goal, right? So I agree he had a poor game by his very high standards of late, He, but he, he made the goal with a big switch over that Regulon not uh, like just like he did against Fulham when other when all people also said he didn't have a great game he still made the goal in that by breaking the lines and and giving it uh, to Son in that game so um, I I think it was a terrible call to take Bale off when Son had already gone off injured and then we've only got one match winner in Kane um, on the field I think I. If Doherty, if if Aurier wasn't fit enough to just be a straight swap for Doherty, then he shouldn't be on the bench. I, I think it was a really poor call, and um, it came back to bite us when we were chasing the game. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially with those set pieces where somebody like Bale can step up and knock in. All it takes is getting a free kick in the final third, and Bale can completely flip the game. Yeah, I, he he could have brought value even if he. Uh, to the attack, even if it wasn't uh, from the run of play, for sure. Um, well, um, let's uh, let's go to Sam on this next. Uh, um, what do you think on Peter's question? Is it was this a? Um, can you reread the question? Oh, uh, I can reread it. Yeah, I have to reopen it. Uh, sorry. Um, so. Peter's question is, uh, was Bale's early hook born out of Mourinho's mounting frustration over his reluctance to help Doherty out of the shitstorm he was in or something else? Uh, and then he mentions like Bale's uh, death mass expression at being subbed off, speaking volumes, uh, and asks if it was trouble in paradise. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with what was said about. Obviously, he's going to have a a, a a horrible expression after being yanked in the, the North London derby, but um, uh, it didn't feel <laughs> that the change at the time felt to me. I didn't love it. Like we were two one down in a North London derby, and bringing Sissoko on usually isn't going to get you too many goals. Um, Joe's right, but he did, you know, he was responsible for like part of the play for our goal, but like he was, he wasn't as good as his, his usual standards. I don't know um, if it was because he wasn't helping out Doherty. Like, I don't know if even if he had been helping out Doherty, like it would have, it would have made a huge amount of difference. Sorry, I'm waffling here. Um, no, it's okay. Well, I, let me move the conversation along because I wanted to talk a little bit about Lamella. So we talked about Lamella coming on to replace Son, and obviously Lamella got us our one goal. Um, now, um, which foot was that that he used again on that goal, uh, guys? Was that... <laughs> it was his. It was his left. Only got left. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he apparently only has one foot, but obviously a, a, a beautiful little goal. Um, if. If we had won that game, uh, th- that would have been a goal for eternity to, in a North London derby. We would never for- forget that goal. But um, but Lamella had the rest of his game to go to, and we've ta- we've often talked that Lamella has never gotten two yellow cards and been sent off um, until <laughs> until this North London derby. Um, so so let's see. I think Lucas, you have your hand up next, and then we'll go to Catherine. <clears throat> Uh, no, it was it was just funny. My brother had mentioned that yesterday at the pub. He said only Lamella can score a goal that cool in the North London Derby and then negate it by picking up two yellows in 50 minutes and leaving us a man down. Uh, it just it's it's really hard for me to be personally upset by his play. I know I get on him a lot because he gets that yellow card and it is a risk. I think the second yellow was a bit. I mean that was questionable, but. At the same time, it's like that's what happens when you're playing on a yellow. Is there's always that risk that something could any that something could be perceived as a slap to the face or something like that. Um, but it, it, it is hard for me to be that upset with him because when he did come in, he was the only person that actually injected a little bit of life into the way we were playing. Um, I thought he was the only one that seemed like he was aware that we were in a North London derby yesterday. So as disappointed as I was with the way it ended up, um, I was grateful that he at least came on and injected a little bit of a pulse into what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, Catherine? Well, I find it so interesting that there are so many people on Twitter and social media who have been saying things like, that was the most Lamella game that I've ever seen because he scored a Rabona and had two yellows, but then also he's never had a red card. And so it's really not him to get a red card. Um, so it'd be more of like him, I don't know, having a, a different type of goal or something. Um, or at least fouling somebody, but not getting a yellow card or red card. Son, but, Catherine, Sun has more straight red cards than anybody on our yeah. entire squad right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't and, make sense. And it's, and it's wild think it'd to be think Lamella, about that. But you're right. Yeah, but like, I do find it a little silly that with the bad with him getting two yellows to get a red um that like what lucas is saying it's 
a little questionable of even though you know that when you're on a yellow, you have to be more careful. But the getting the second yellow by just protecting your body and yourself from an opposing player who's who you know is coming from behind you because you can hear them and by putting up your arms that's what people do but i understand because it's an elbow to the face and blah um he just should have been shorter um but with the the good part of it i think lamella just had one of the most brilliant goals even though it was a in a north london derby that we that we lost um and even the premier league twitter account just said the audacity because like I I even said it I was thinking it, you're at the Emirates in a North London Derby and why not try this like that's that has you have to have balls to do that like or or at least the the courage and and the and the tenacity and and just I don't know you, oh, you no, kind of no just, right foot. No right foot to curl it yeah. in with you. No That's right it. foot, but you have to have the... No, you're right, though. It's Just, it's, like, it's, the it's, madness to do it. Uh, let's go to uh, Sam next. Yeah, I, like, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to remember that Lamella goal in a similar way to how I remember that Kane goal in the North Thank London Derby. Yeah. Whereas there's, like, this is like, amazing goal, but we didn't win the game. And this one we actually lost rather than drawing. But, like, we drew that one, um, and we then they had 10 men as well. So I'm going to remember it. I'm going to think, that's great. And then I'm going to be very fucking annoyed that we somehow managed to lose. In terms of him, the the second yellow, yeah, maybe that particular challenge was a little bit harsh, but, like, it was cumulative, really. Like, he could easily have been sent off before that. Like, it's... I, I didn't. I found it hard to be upset that he got a yellow for that and not for... One of the earlier ones. Yeah. Okay, uh, Lucas? Uh, Sam literally just said exactly what I was going to say in terms of it was just like that Kane goal where it was one of the most special goals we've ever seen. And then what in Spurs, like Instagram and Spurs Twitter loves to remind us of that all the time. Like, <laughs> check out this view of the same goal five times. Like, what a special moment. And then I'm like, Okay, but what about the next time when we were up 10 men for the last 40 minutes and Sanchez put one in on us? Like, it's just, uh-huh. I, I just, I'll never be able to, I, I just, I can't wait till three years down the road, Spurs Instagram is telling us, ah, oh, I remember that, like, Rabono from Lamella at the Emirates, and I'm going to be like, yeah, and we lost. But um, I do think that in terms of, I, I agree with Sam as well, where, like, yeah, that yellow was probably coming. But another thing that I thought, Maybe the football gods just maybe this was karma for the United game. The uh, Mello was the one that got that slap in the face that was really mm-hmm. cheeky and got us that red card at Old Trafford where we were able to turn it into a six-one. So I'm like, maybe the football gods have just been waiting on this and thought they'd throw it back at us at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, any final thoughts on this match? I know it's uh, we, we've talked a lot. There's we probably could talk for another twenty minutes, but. Uh, Let's uh, let's wrap it up with Joe before we go to MVP LVP. I'm I'm interested to hear what you all think. Was do you think that was a penalty? I think uh, 
my feelings on this are complicated. I think it was a penalty, but I don't think it should be a penalty if that's if 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 uh, if that makes sense. I think like technically under the rules, from what I've read, like yes, but like it, the ball had already gone. Like it feels like that should not be a penalty, but. Yeah, it's, 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 you you just think that you, you you think it was a penalty, right? You think it was fairly clear cut. I think it's definitely a penalty, but I, I respect. I can see the argument as to why it wasn't. But a lot of people mentioning that he like whiffed the shot and he'd lost, but it doesn't matter. Like the rules of football don't say if someone has a shit shot, you can clatter into them. You know? <laughs> yeah, I it's, mean, like... It, like well, it's a bit unlucky because I can like San. If if Lacazette hits that right, then Sanchez is kind of doing the right thing. But he's this is this is what Sanchez is. He he's like he commits himself to these slightly like reckless situations, and if it slightly goes wrong, then it's a disaster. And that's what happened here, in my opinion, is he left himself in a position where he he had to try and block it, and by trying to block it, he fouled him. And I, I think it's. Uh, a definite penalty. I mean, I wish I'd felt otherwise. I'd feel some injustice, but I just felt like it was definite penalty. Yeah. Well, and he was having such a good match too. So. He was he was playing well. Yeah. I, I'm not as probably no. I'm not a huge fan of his, but he's he's been a lot better lately, and he did okay overall yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate situation, uh, Lucas. I was just gonna say, uh, shout out to Peter down the pub that uh, said Sanchez was having a great game. And I uh-huh. said, oh, you might have just jinxed it. And then 60 seconds later, we gave up a pen. So big thanks to Pete. <laughs> Could have kept it a draw, but he angered the football gods again. Uh, and if you've been at the pub at all this year, you you will know that Lucas does this to Peter quite a bit. So, so, so we're bringing the activity to the podcast now. So... Anyway, uh, let's go to MVP, LVP on this, and we'll start with Joe first for MVP. I think we're all going to have a consensus on this one, and it's uh, it's Mr. Doherty for me. This is, he, the main thing as to why I think he was so bad. Again, oh, M- is, we said MVP, not LVP. Oh, sorry. I, oh, you, <laughs> uh, I'm like, consensus. Oh. <laughs> Somebody was just itching to rear off on Doherty oh, there. I was, itchy, I was so desperate to throw him under the bus, I didn't even listen to the question properly. My apologies. Uh, MVP. Oh, God, that's a bit harder. I, I kind of want to say Lamella for the goal, but then he did get a red card. So I don't think I can really do that. I. Oh, this is it's tough. Hard. VP. I'm probably going to say Sanchez. I thought, oh, no, I'm sorry. Let me go back. Lucas. Lucas had a really good game. Lucas for me, man, uh, MVP. He was really busy. Um, I like him in that central role because he just causes chaos. He just gets it and runs in the middle of the, into the heart of the uh, opposition and Win at one as a lot of dangerous free kicks as well. So I, I thought Lucas played well in this game and he's my MVP. Yeah, that's a good shout. Uh, and I'll, uh, to save some time, I'll agree with you. I think it was Lucas. Uh, I do think uh, when we moved him back to the middle, which would have been after the uh, Lamella was set off, we got a lot more out of Lucas at that point um, when he went to cover the wing when Sun. Um, Sun went off. Um, I don't think he was uh, as useful there, but I do think he had a good match, and he's my MVP as well. So let's go to Catherine next. I was going to say uh, Lamella for like the first kind of half, or when he 
came on, and then Lucas for the rest of the match. Uh, okay, well, well, we'll let you get away with it. Uh, uh, Lucas? Thanks. Uh, mine is Lucas, man after my own heart. Okay. Uh, he was up for it. Uh, Sam? Yeah, Lucas as well. I think he was the only one that really played well for most of the match. So, um, he's also, we criticized him nonstop, or we do criticize him nonstop for being where possession goes to die, because he would just get the ball, run into a fit, like a crowd of three of the opposition players and give it away. But he's, he's, uh, he's managed to provide some sort of end product on his runs recently. So fair play to him. And yeah, he's MVP here. Um, okay, let's go to LVP, and uh, we'll start with Joe again for LVP. Please don't say don't say dirty. Anyone? Yeah, don't. Dirty. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, the reason specifically it's Doherty is because he wasn't. He was just getting done one on one, and that's what really was doing me my head in in the game. Is if a player's getting doubled up on, you can kind of forgive it because it's a two on one. But he was just getting rinsed by a one-on-one situation constantly. And I thought he was awful and he's my elder. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go to Catherine. Doherty. Okay. I don't have to have a, an explanation, do I? No, no. I, don't think, I, think, I think we covered that if, fairly if well. You're, if you're comfortable with the, the explanation that's already out there, that's fine. Uh, Lucas? Uh, Doherty. And we've now played Arsenal twice this year. We had Serge play once. We've had Doherty, who was a Arsenal fan, so I'm going to leave it to the conspiracy theorists out there why we oh, lost the one. Why Doherty was so bad yesterday? <laughs> uh, Sam, yeah, yep, clean sweep, Doherty. Yeah, well, I, um, I'll, I'll go Doherty as well. But, oh, sorry, I assumed uh, you were, so, yeah. uh, but um, but I also think. Uh, I, I didn't disagree with Ndombele coming off. I, as I said earlier, I really felt like that he uh, looked like he didn't like what he was being asked to do, or like it, it felt like he wanted to be playing further forward and he was sulking or something. I, I and it may have just been that, that Arsenal had a good game plan for how to um, take uh, t- take uh, take him out of the game, but I don't think he had a very good match either. If Doherty wasn't on the pitch, he may have been my LVP, but uh, it has to be Doherty um, for sure. Um, Well, great conversation there, guys. Um, uh, But I think that about wraps up the half. Uh, The second half, we are going to have two games to preview, so we do have the second leg of uh, Dynamo coming up on Thursday and Aston Villa on Sunday. Uh, But first, we have two halftime segments, and first we're going to go to Luke's Locks. All right, thank you very much. Uh, coming off another strong week, three for four last week, so hopefully you guys are getting in on some of this free money. So this week, we're going to start off with a couple of Europa picks. First off, take over 2.5 goals in Milan United. And it's in Milan. Uh, both teams kind of felt each other out uh, in that first game in Manchester, but look for an open game and a couple of goals. So take over two and a half. Second one, Rangers, minus a half goal. So basically just taking them to win at home in Glasgow. Uh, Rangers had a real opportunity here to get to the quarters, so I expect them to seize it with the win at home. Third, and this one's kind of gross, but take over two and a half. Uh, West Ham at home against Arsenal. Arsenal has now proven, unfortunately, that they have some momentum. And West Ham always has a goal in them with 
the set piece or two. So take over two and a half. Uh, fourth, this one, a little bit of reach, but I'm going to say take Spurs minus a half goal, basically to win on the road at Villa. Coming off that embarrassment that we saw yesterday, I expect us to have a little bit of a boot up the ass and expect us to come out and get the win away. So I think we'll turn it around on the road on Sunday. So take Spurs minus the half goal. There's your four picks. There's your free money. Let's go get rich. Thanks, Lucas. Um, let's go to now we're going to go to a Catherine Spurs woman update. Thank you, Anthony. And it's been quite a few weeks. And so I'm back with the Spurs women segment. I last left you with two upcoming matches for the squad, one being a league match at home against Everton and the other league match away at Brighton. The first, the Women's Super League match against current fifth place Everton ended frustratingly in a 3-2 loss. Everton had two early penalties in the 8th and 18th minutes. Uh, Spurs followed up with Angela Addison scoring in the 35th and then Gemma Davison equalized in the 57th. Unfortunately, Everton scored again in the 61st minute, and they held out that scoreline until full-time. Possession-wise, the match was fairly even, although the attacking prowess was shots, shots and goal, and corners did sway in Everton's favor. Uh, the second match was against current 7th place Brighton, and was another disappointing loss, this time 2-0. From highlights and statistics, it doesn't seem as grim. Maybe just a toe here or a leg there, and Spurs would have grabbed a goal or two or three. But alas, that did not happen, and so we go on. So although I update you with the news of two losses, all is not lost, and Spurs women played earlier on Sunday, March 14th, and ended up with a point from a nil-nil draw against Reading. Although that isn't necessarily the result the team would have been striving for, it is promising for Rianne Skinner and the coaching staff to turn the tide from a streak of four losses in a row in the league to now grabbing a draw against the sixth-place team in the in the Women's Super League. And let's just hope that the tide continues to turn and losses and draws that the team would have had in the past materialize into wins for the future games. So next up for Tottenham Hotspur women is a match against Bristol City at home on Sunday, March 21st at 9 a.m. Central or Chicago time. So it would be a nice primer before the men's match versus Essen Velez. It can be found on the uh, FA player. And then also exciting news was announced for the following Women's Super League game as the current 8th place Spurs out of 12 teams will play 4th place Arsenal at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday, March 17th at 10.30 a.m. Central Time. As you might recall, the first meeting between the two in the top flight set an attendance record for the WSL with over 38,000 at the stadium. And although the match on the 27th will be, of course, behind closed doors, the game will be streamed online to watch for free, and there will be a Spurs women's edition of N17 Live. So if you can watch, uh, please stream it and watch and cheer for the team, because although the rivalry in the women's game and the women's Super League isn't as contentious as the men's game, it is still a North London derby. Uh, but that's all for me this time. Feel free to message me on Twitter at Katherine Rupp for... Spurs women questions or just comments or just to chat. And that's all for me. So back to the pod. Thanks, Catherine. Uh, so um, I'm going to roll right into these next two games because um, we, we still have two to preview. Um, so coming up this Thursday, we we have the second leg in the Europa League uh, of Dynamo Zagreb away. Um, 
This is at 12.55 here in Chicago time. And currently they still sit in first place in the Croatian First Division with 57 points. That's 18 wins, three draws, and three losses. Uh, they remain in a battle for first place right now. Um, on Sunday, they they, uh, they they won their most recent match. Uh, they lost to us prior to that and then won their previous three. Um, they do have an upcoming match on Sunday as well in, in the league. Um, we've mentioned that they're coach woes, so we were not sure who's going to be coaching uh, this match uh, on Thursday for them. Um, we can assume it might be an assistant coach. Um, uh, their top goal scorer right now is uh, Mario Gravinovic with 13. Uh, um, and then uh, Mislav Orsic in uh, has 14 uh, as well, and Bruno Petkovic has six behind him. They don't have any stats on assists uh, or uh, ratings uh, available in this league. Um, as you know, we did beat them two nil in the first in the home leg, uh, so they have no away goals to to play with. And then we obviously faced them the one other time in the the UEFA Cup uh, in 2007 and beat them four nil there. Um, it seems to me like this is a, a match that we can probably rotate pretty heavily and and feel confident that as long as uh, we get one away goal, that that, that 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 should be enough to put them away. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts on this? Uh, let's start with uh, – I'm going to call Sam out. <laughs> Um, I suspect that we, like as you said, I think it's, we've got enough to go through. Um, I don't know what sort of lineup Jose is going to select. If any, if previous is going to go, but uh, previous is anything to go by, we're going to line up pretty strong. Um, hopefully, uh, maybe we start. I, I, hang on, let me rephrase that. I think that he probably starts Kane. Um, I don't know if Son's... Is there any word on Son's injury, by the he, way? He's going to be out for, like, at least a month. Because a hamstring injury, even if it's minor, you're going to make it worse if you play on it. So we've got the international break after the Villa game. I think he'll he'll be out. For, I, I'd be amazed if it... Three weeks is the very best we can hope for. All right. So I'm going to doubt... I'm going to be... I'm doubtful that Son will start this week, then. Um, I'm going to say that he'll probably start Kane... You know, maybe he runs. He runs out daily. Like I, I think we're, we're like we're going to have enough. They're going to be incredibly <clears throat> well organized again in defense. Um, I don't think we'll set up particularly attacking. Um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you, you're not Spurs if you don't think that we're going to concede an early goal and it's going to be squeak, <laughs> squeak, squeaky bum time for the rest of it, really. But like, we should have enough. Yeah, uh, Lucas. I was going to ask. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Did uh, Hoybier picking up a yellow? Does that mean he's out for this one? Yes. Uh, yes. 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 So he's is. out. He's yeah. unavailable for this one, which is probably a blessing that we. Yeah, maybe he forced himself to get a break, which would be a might be a plus for us. Um, yeah, I think I think if we can just find a way to get one, no matter how it happens, uh, it's a completely that just ends the tie. I can't see them putting four past us, and that's what will need to happen if we can get that one. But yeah, the mm. I expect to see a bit of rotation where we'll probably see Sissoko out there. I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see Winks. Um, Lamella will start, won't he? Because he's Lamella will because he's got to be out for Sunday. So mm-hmm. yeah, Lamella's going to be out there. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see Bergvine back out there. Maybe this is a Vinicius with Kane on the bench, 
Kane being brought in, especially if they're able to get two, I I, I would kind of uh, think like Jose might have that second leg mentality where if it does get two nil and it could create that extra time, then you're going to have someone like Kane or like, even just the Kane on the bench to get that extra 30 minutes. So I, I would be shocked to see Harry start, but um, yeah, I, I think there's going to be a bit of rotation and if we can just find that way to get one it could end it. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Lucas. And I think that this would be a good start for Vinicius. And I, I, I know that Jose doesn't seem to be using him, even though he seems to find ways to score when we do use him. Um, I do think that like Bergvine, maybe Lucas playing some minutes here to start, even though I know that I think we're going to need him, uh, uh, for the Aston Villa one, but um, but just to have some uh, starter power in there uh, in the attack as well. Um, Bale may be another bench option. Like if as long as we keep managing his minutes, where he's not uh, given too many in uh, one week. Uh, but I don't want to see those guys out there unless. Uh, unless it gets close, like if they get one back and uh, we're going into the second half and things are starting to look like uh, um, we, we don't have a way to get our one away goal, um, then maybe bring those guys on to put this match to bed. But um, but I would hope that this is going to be heavily rotated. Uh, uh, any thoughts, uh, Joe? Well, just thinking, because we have the international break after the Villa game, Although I agree with the rotation idea, it's actually, it's just this game, then the Villa game, then there's a, a rest because a lot of the players <clears throat> won't actually play in the international break because a lot of these games are not going to happen, apparently. So with that said, it might be a little risky to rotate too heavily, bearing in mind that, um, like <laughs> Sam's right, like you're not Spurs if you don't think they're going to score in the first five minutes and we're going to start worrying about it. Um so I can see a logic to actually playing. I'm kind of second guessing myself. I can see the logic to playing Kane because Lucas is right. If we score one, they need four, and that's game over. They ain't, they ain't going to score four. Um, so in many respects, kind of leads me to think just attack them. Right? We just get one goal, and then the, the tie's done. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a dilemma for Mourinho this one. I'm not sure how he's going to play it because we need to keep Delhi, I think, fresh for the Villa game with with Son out and Lamella out, so we're going to need Delhi for that game. So a little bit of a selection dilemma here. Yeah, yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right. Like, Deli Ali is going to be needed for Villa, um, but Lamella can play this. So, yeah, this, I, I could see Lamella playing this whole match, actually. Um, uh, Catherine, any thoughts? Yeah, well, I think I would just echo what everyone has been saying, but it's important to get that first goal. And early, so then we at least have something to go on. And which, kind of like what Joe was saying, it probably won't be too difficult because in our last match, at well, in the match at home, uh, Spurs had 12 shots and five on goal versus five shots and two on goal for Zagreb. So you would hope that we would at least put something on the front foot. And I am hopeful kind of like what you're talking about, Anthony, of seeing a, a little bit of rotation, but not enough where you have at least some of the uh, the usuals that you would see in Premier League and in Europa League because that's bound to happen. 
and then also have, yeah, put in Bergvein or Vinicius, because I think that with past showings, they've warranted at least a shot in a second leg of a Europa League match. So I do think that we'll have some rotation and that we'll get hopefully an early goal and then we can kind of go a little crazy and and do creative shit and and we can get a few more goals. Sounds good. Well, let's go to predictions on this one and uh, we'll start with uh, Lucas first. <clears throat> I actually had 1-1 one, one, and I had Lamella. I think it's going to be early and then we kind of coast it out. But 1-1, one, one, Lamella scores. Okay, I like it. Uh, Sam? No, no. No, no. Sounds a right laugh, Sam. Yeah, I've got like yeah, but I mean it's in the middle of the work day, so I've got to predict what I want to happen. No, I just I I think that they're going to set up defensively. I don't think we're necessarily going to go all out and attack, and I I I can foresee a drab nil nil here. Okay, Uh, uh, Joe. Yeah, I actually think we're going to win this game because I don't think they're very good, and I think they with the two goal. Behind, they're going to have to come out a little bit and attack, otherwise they're going out. So that'll open up some gaps, and I think we will play a pretty strong team. I say we're going to win by the odd goal, uh, 2-1 to us. Uh, Let's say Kane and Lamella. Okay, uh, Catherine? I will say a 2-1 win, and goal scorers will be Bergvine and Lucas. Okay. One One of those won't be right. Can't be, can't be Bergvine. Hey, I have. I'm holding out hope for him, so that's why I'm willing it to happen. It's a good, brave call, Catherine. I applaud that. I, I Luke, Luke's locks. Um, what odds would you give on Bergwine scoring? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I put my I put my left kidney on the line. Bergwine oh, Stakes are high. Uh, well, um, I do agree with you, Joe. I think that they. Um, they have to come after us a little bit here because um, just the situation. I mean, they they just can't write it off entirely. Um, even though they don't have a home crowd, it's uh, it's in, they're defending their home turf. Um, and so I think they will try and uh, attack us. Um, they can't play the defensive game that they tried uh, at at the lane. So um, I think it's going to be three one. Um, I think we get a goal from Vinicius. I think we get a goal from Lamella. And I think we get a goal from Kane, who do- does play some sometime in this one. But I do think it might be a little cheeky at first. Like maybe the, they get the first one or they we get one and then they equ- equalize and um, it doesn't go anywhere. But we get a couple late goals to kind of put the whole thing to bed. Um, hey, but- Anthony. Real yeah. quick, I just wanted to throw in the one good thing about yesterday is I can say it now that we've all predicted results that have us moving through to the quarterfinals. The one nice thing about yesterday is I had been dreading if we somehow drew Arsenal in the quarterfinals. That was like a nightmare. I don't want to play them any more than I have to. But right now I'm like, unless it's United, I'm like, mm. there's no team that... It, I, I'm actually hoping that we now draw Arsenal in the quarters or the semis or some point because I'm like we owe ourselves a little bit of retribution. So I, I could say if we can get by this Thursday and we can see ourselves through. The nice thing now is that I can say I'm looking forward to playing Arsenal again at some point. 
Yeah. Hell, I hope it's the final. Like, give me a chance at them again. Yeah. Yeah, no, we that's... can't play that badly again. Put it that way. Yeah. We can't it's got to be better. No, good, good shout there. Like at this point, it would be nice to have another Derby to uh, be able to yeah get 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 a little of our own back. Um, but um, but let's move the conversation along. We have one final game to preview before uh, uh, before the international break, as Joe mentioned, um, and that is uh, Aston Villa away. So Aston Villa certainly currently sits in ninth place in the league with forty one points. That's 12 wins, 5 draws, and 10 losses. Most recently, they had a 1-1 draw to Newcastle away this Friday. Um, prior to that, they drew Wolves. They lost to Sheffield United. They beat Leeds, and they lost to Leicester. Uh, upcoming, they take on Fulham on Saturday, uh, April 3rd. Um, so after the international break, they, uh, um, they come back and take on Fulham. Uh, their top goal scorer right now is Ollie Watkins with 10. Um, both Jack Grealish and uh, Anwar Al-Ghazi have six behind him. Grealish is the top assist man with 10 assists. And uh, John McGinn is behind him with four. Grealish is also the top rated player with 7.79. And uh, Emiliano Martinez is behind him with 7.04. Uh, the last five times that we have played Aston Villa have all been five consecutive wins. Um, February 2020, we beat them uh, 3-2. Uh, we beat them 3-1 in August 2019. Uh, we beat them 2-0 in the FA Cup in January 2017. And then we uh, go back to 2016 and 2015 for the, the previous two wins. Uh, but... Um, it's a team that we've handled pretty well. Uh, this is a replay match um, that, that we're making up um, uh, due to COVID uh, earlier in the season. Um, what do you guys think on this one? Uh, Joe? We, we've got to play them twice, haven't we? Like 20% of our remaining games are going to be against Aston Villa. We've got to play them twice. Um, yep. They're not the same team without Grealish. Grealish has been injured for a few weeks now, and they look a shadow of how they have been so that's good for us even if he does make it he's going to be rusty so that's a we've kind of looked out there um what i would say about villa though is they're a very they're a very solid team they actually got the third best defensive record in the league i think only man city and chelsea have conceded fewer goals and the reason for that and this is what we could learn from is cash mings concert target back four every single game every single game without fail almost that's the back four they've got a settled defense and um they've they've done really well this season they're a good footballing team but they're not having Grealish really plays into our our hands I think yeah well that's interesting because we've had that debate on this podcast about defenses um and um and we can't seem to settle on what defense we're going to go with, in the, especially in the center backs. Um, so having that does give them an advantage, and they are going to be tough to break down. So uh, let's go to Catherine next. Yeah, well, similar to what Joe was just saying about their defense, and I like that they have two mats with cash and target. Um, tar- cash, target, maybe. I, I don't know. I was just trying to come up with something witty there, but it's not going to happen. Um, anyways, um, for their 
their attacking uh, line, though, they have 1.44 goals per match versus 1.04 goals conceded. So similar to what Joe was saying, they don't score that many, but they don't let many in. And so that is a good thing for Spurs, but also it's a little disadvantageous because if they're only letting in about one goal a game, then how are we going to set up and have the correct players kind of like what we were just talking about with international break coming up and then wanting to rest players versus wanting to kind of go all out and play. Um, How do you uh, tactically set them up? So then we can get the most out of uh, our, our attacking line. And um, even though they do have similar to what, well, kind of like what Joe was saying, they have, almost too much of a reliance on Grealish because then they have Grealish, Watkins, and Mings that stand out to me. And with Grealish out, that's a lot of their their midfield movement and how they create. And so that 1.44 goals per match that they have, that Aston Villa has, then hopefully that could be lowered by uh, by the match that we have against them. (laughs) Yeah. Lucas? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> for me, this game strikes me so similar to the Palace game last week where it was, is Zaha going to be healthy? Because Palace looked so different without Zaha, and it's very similar to how Villa look without Grealish. They look a completely different team. Um, and in that game, we did see Zaha come back, but it, like Joe said, it's it's not the same when you're coming back after a month. Um, and yeah, so that was a team that also was very hard to break down, and we threw four past them. Burnley apparently is a team that's tough to break down. We threw four past them. So I think it's all about is Grealish going to play? Even if he does, I think if we come out with the right mindset, I think we can easily open this team up. Um, so yeah, I, I don't envision this being a big problem. I think we're going to do them, but. That's the optimism in me, and it might just be the recover in me after yesterday, like hoping that things go our way. But for me, it's all about Grealish. That's the catalyst that makes their team work. So I think we have more than one way to score. I think theirs is all about Grealish. Okay. Uh, Sam? Um, I haven't watched a huge amount of them this year, other than, you know, uh, uh, as everyone said, like knowing that Grealish is their main man. The question for me, based on our form, is do they count as a bad team and therefore we'll batter them, or are they a good team and therefore we lose? Because I think they're just one point. They're not one point. I think they're one place behind us. Yeah. Excellent like, question, Sam. That was going to be my <laughs> they're, they're borderline. They're a borderline case. They're ninth, and we've, we've lost to our last eight top half opponents and they are technically just in the top half so So there you go so i don't know if like the players are going to look at the table and go uh, and think oh shit they're top half we're gonna bottle it today i hate to use the word bottle being a spurs fan but like um so i really i i don't know i hope that the team comes out and plays like we did against burnley and against palace and against you know dinamo and wolfsberger really um but I, I just I don't know how to call it at the moment. Like we're so up and down. Um, 
Although, to be fair, for, it seems to be prolonged periods of up and then prolonged periods of down rather than up and down each and every game. Um, I really don't know how to call this one, so I'm going to have to figure that out before you ask me for a prediction. Well, and, and we don't have Sun in this match, which uh, um, with a de- defensive-minded team, that, that that's often a problem. But I don't know if these guys are necessarily a defensive-minded team so much as the, that they... They they're used to having a, a consistent defense and then a strong, um, a strong midfield to kind of uh, uh, carry the ball out out of their half and and keep themselves on the front foot. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily that they're a defensive team. So there's a chance that we could break them down, but I could also see us struggling to uh, to score a goal here with uh, with just Kane and Bale and. And Lucas out there, or or, or maybe a Deli Alley in the in the middle. Um, but what do you guys think, Lucas? Uh, my question kind of was: I had mentioned that Grealish being like their massive catalyst and the guy that they kind of run everything through. What do you think if your Villa? Do you think that? I I'm trying to guess like what their season aspirations are going to be. Do they think they can finish in Europe? Do they think they can? It, it, like that's kind of where this comes down to because if that is something they think they can do, then there's a chance they don't even try and rush him back, knowing that the international break is behind them. Like mm-hmm. maybe they're just saying leave it be, and they have to play us again anyway. This is the only team we haven't played yet this campaign, but I think maybe if it, it kind of depends what their season aspirations are. Uh, I, I think maybe they're just kind of writing this one off. Like, do they think they can finish in the top six? They don't have a cup to play for. Like, yeah. To, this, your, this, point, nope. to your point, real fast, uh, Lucas. Like, they they could say, "Well, don't rush him back. Uh, he can take the whole international break to recover." Yeah, um, that's so kind of what I was going for. Even but... if he's coming up to to fitness, I mean, that could be the case. But whether they could still. Make a stumble without him is probably more of a question to me. But Joe, I I stepped on what you were about to say. No, no worries. It's, it's a good point. Um, yeah, that, Lucas, I, I don't think there's any pressure on Villa. Like when you think about how close they came to getting relegated last season, they only stayed up on the the last game of the season, if I remember rightly. They got a draw at West Ham, and this year they've really improved massively to the point that you're right. They're in the European conversation. They're ninth. Um, they have a chance of getting in the Europa League, and I think that that's going to give um, a pretty relaxed. They probably quite relaxed going into the end of the season. They've got nothing to lose. They've probably already overshot expectations. Um, so I think, with that said, they'll they'll probably you know um, they won't feel any pressure, and it, it could that that would ordinarily make for quite an open game. But I just think without Grealish. They, they, he's the one player they can't replace. You know, like when we lose Kane, we can't replace Kane, and it showed with results. I think Grealish is, has been the same for them. So the question would be, do they just try and play for a draw? And spoiler alert, that's going to be my. I think this has got one all draw written all over it. I think they'll probably be quite happy with that, and I, I think we'll probably be quite happy with that. So, uh, I think that's the way this one goes. Okay. Uh, well, let's. Uh... Let's go to predictions on that since you did that. So you had one uh, one all draw, uh, draw for Joe. Let's go to Sam next. Oh, you're on you're on mute, Sam. 
Sorry. Um, did Joe give a scorer? As oh, well? yeah. I, I'm not... Right, so Catherine's inspired me because she said Bergwijn was going to score. I'm not going to go that left field, but I'll, 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 do, I'll deviate from the traditional Kane or Bale prediction. I'm going to say that... Um, I think Regulon is going to... He's, he's not scored for us yet. He, he should have... He's come close a few times. I think he's going to score a 30-yard strike. Yeah, he's he's, gonna... uh, he's got a shot on him as well. Yeah, like, he's he had a few, a few, few good attempts. Um, I'm also going to go for 1-1, one, one, but I'm going to go Eric Dyer to score. <laughs> so like a header on a set piece? Or... <laughs> no, I was going to say, at least no. Joe said I'm not going to go that left field. You want the most left field we can think of. I've, I've, Dyer has scored a lot more goals for us than Reggion has. I, I've seen Dyer score for us. He's yeah, he's he's done it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah I mean, also for he's been taking free kicks occasionally. Um, so he's no more. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, one or one or Eric Dyer. I'm behind in the predictions game. I need to go left field to catch up. Well, I need to be right to catch up, really. But like, we'll go. Who's, who's who's leading the predictions game? Oh, I don't I, know, Lucas. I'm I'm right on your tail, mate. I hate to. I don't try to big myself up here, but I did say we'd go one nil up at Arsenal and then lose two one. Um, just just saying. Uh, and you also said dodgy refereeing decision. So, you, but you didn't. Uh, you didn't... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should be bonus points for that. Uh, Lucas, your prediction next. Uh, three one. We're gonna do them, and the late one's gonna be for Villa. But we're gonna go three one. Kane scores two. Lucas scores one. Okay, I like that. Uh, Catherine? I will predict a 2-1 win with Kane and Delhi as goal scorers. Oh, that'd be nice to see a Delhi goal. Um, I'm apprehensive about this one, um, and I do think you guys might be right on the draw. I'm going to say 2-2 draw, and I'm going to be disappointed. But I kind of think that uh, Jose is, um, after this Arsenal loss um at some point he's going to start thinking we're putting all of our eggs into the europa league basket um i don't know when that happens um um certainly before the weekend we had opportunities to to creep up into fifth place and and potentially be challenging for the fourth place spot and then it makes more sense to really keep putting emphasis on the league uh but i just uh i don't know if he's gotten to the point yet where he's like, ah, you know what, Let, let's just focus on the Europa League and maybe we'll see the strong, stronger side than we even think in the, that one just to put the competition out, out of reach. Um, but Anthony, to- I think, Anthony, I think your point there is very spot on. I think we'll mm-hmm. see it if we can get through Zagreb on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I think this is like the final test. Yeah. What, what we do on Sunday will then kind of determine where Jose's head is at throughout the rest of the campaign going into the international break. I think assuming yeah. we get through Zagreb into the corner finals, whoever we draw, which we'll find out on Friday, I think that will kind of be our Villa result will determine whether Jose's playing for top four or just throwing all his eggs in the Europa basket. Yeah. And he's done it before. This is exactly what happened in 2016 when he was Man United manager. They, they were in a similar league position. I think they were seventh, and he just basically sacked off the Premier League and just focused on the Europa League, which he won that year. So it turned out to be a pretty, uh, pretty good strategy. But um, he was resting play. He was resting 
United's best players in the league to play them in the Europa League. And I think you're right. It, that's, I anticipate we'll get to that stage sooner rather than later and we'll start doing the same. Yeah, and unfortunately, and I don't know if this will be it yet because we do have the international break after. We could just go for this game and um, and then rest everybody later. So uh, it might not be time to, to make that focus yet. But but I, I, I still see this be a problematic match for us. And I'm going to stick with my 2-2. My goal scorers are Harry Kane and Bale. I think Bale will get one in this one. Safe. safe. Safe bets there because those are the only two guys that seem to score for us. But um, but yeah, that, yeah, that's when we go with this one. Well, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up the podcast for the day? Yeah, I'm just going to add. I said Eric Dyer. It's not going to be a header. It's going to be an absolute screamer from like I'm going to go 40 yards just to add for the, <laughs> for the bonus point. <laughs> well, is he was... going to do a Rabona, Sam? He's going to try and emulate if he scores a Rabona from 40 yards then I'm buying everyone's drinks at the Atlantic for the rest of the season I guess and then, right, hang, hang on, on, hang on, hang on. Oh, what's today the 15th <laughs> I'm writing that down Sam <laughs> offers free drinks at the pub March and 15th 2021 he said that and then whisper <laughs> to the empty stadium I was gonna say, it's gonna be like Dyer, Dyer's gonna do the Vertonghen at Wolves where you get that like outside the box header that like somehow oh, God, is yeah. 20 yards out but that header still finds its way in you know I actually I lost set piece roulette on that header as well or one one yeah one roulette, you won it yeah yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah. You paid, there's, you there's no losers in set piece roulette <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, that was an excellent time, everybody. It was a very fun podcast. Thanks for every, thanks to everybody for being on today. Thanks to Lucas, Sam, Joe, and Catherine. Uh, but that about wraps it up. So thanks to Tommy, Tommy for editing and sound tonight. Charlie for the music. Kevin for social media. Catherine for Spurs Women Update. Lucas for Luke's Locks. Timberly for the logo. And as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. It's great to be back there watching matches once again. Um, Find our merchandise at Big Head Media. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast or give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Star Spurs and the website at 4 Come on, let's go.